Hey guys, welcome back. I'm your host, Sherry, and you are listening to From the Dark Side podcast. If I sound a little different, it's because I'm trying out a new microphone and this is like a test run, but I'm super excited about it. Let me know in the comments if I sound better. I first heard about this case recently and I was blown away, especially the fact that this happened in Maryland and I never heard of it. There's a podcast called Big Savage that did an entire season devoted to this case. I haven't listened to it yet, but a lot of people say it's done well. They go into way detailed versions of the events. I'll give you guys everything that I was able to gather just off the World Wide Web. There's a lot of weird events in this one. A 24-year-old man was found deceased at the bottom of a cliff. All signs pointed to that he had fallen down the cliff. But when police get closer to the body, they realize his throat was slit, like to the point where he was almost decapitated. What on earth happened here, and what does his 20-year-old friend have to do with it? My sources are listed in the description area, and this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty. This is episode 66, The Murder of Alex Stevens. This story takes us back to 2017, some things happening around that time. There was the Women's March in Washington, Public health officials announced that drug overdoses became the leading cause of death for Americans under age 50. 58 people were shot dead at an outdoor country music festival in Las Vegas, Nevada. And in better news, Florida high school students started a club so that no one has to eat lunch alone. During Hurricane Harvey, Southwest Airlines flew an entire plane full of puppies to safety. And lastly, a woman had canceled her wedding and had already paid for $30,000 worth of food, so she donated it to the homeless. Alexander Stevens, who goes by Alex, was born March 23, 1992 in Cumberland, Maryland. His parents are Jay and Janet. He also had a twin sister named Tristan, who he was very close to. Alex did a lot. For being 24, he was well-traveled and educated. Alex was described by his mom as creative, loved the outdoors, was a former lifeguard at Dan's Mountain State Park. He loved to travel and had a great sense of humor, and he loved animals. He had even recently become a vegetarian. When he was growing up, his parents took him and his twin sister to lots of places overseas. He visited Britain, France, Germany, Denmark, the Netherlands, Spain, Ireland, Canada, and South Korea. He attended Cambridge University summer program for high school students in England. Alex was active in plays and musicals and even played the Pirate King in Pirates of Penzance and played Sky Masterson in Guys and Dolls. He loved to sing and was in the concert choir. He was well-trained in mixed martial arts. He was in concert band, jazz orchestra, and marching band all four years of high school. He was an Eagle Scout, and his big Eagle Scout project was the construction of the brick and stone sign at the Frostburg Museum. He also played football, basketball, cross-country, and track, and he graduated from Mountain Ridge High School in 2010 and even gave the senior address at graduation. After high school, Alex enrolled in the Coast Guard Academy, but in 2014, while he was a senior there, he was disciplined after a sexual assault investigation involving a lower-ranked female cadet. He had been drinking and walked into a dorm room where a female cadet was sleeping, and he touched her thigh. She wakes up startled and screaming and kicking and reported him for sexual assault. This was a big deal, and Alex will now have to face a Coast Guard courtroom. 
His lawyer states this was his girlfriend's old dorm room, and he just mistook her for his girlfriend, who was in another room 300 feet away. He had been drinking and said he was incredibly sorry and apologized to the victim. The victim told the courtroom that she was losing sleep, her grades had dropped, and she also told the court, quote, I think he should be kicked out of the Coast Guard. I think he should be a registered sex offender, and I think he should go to jail. Alex ended up getting expelled from the Coast Guard Academy due to this incident that night. His family says this was a turning point in his life. He was deeply upset and wanted to do anything to make it right. The U.S. Coast Guard Academy is the only place Alex wanted to go to college, and he was almost finished. This event was devastating to him, especially because he had never been in any kind of trouble before. His dad says he was never the same after that incident. Alex then enrolls in Frostburg University, trying to put the Coast Guard incident behind him. Here he is studying engineering, and he begins acting differently. It even grows his hair long. It seems Alex is wanting to become more in tune with nature and his spirituality. His dad says he was reading about religions and thinking about his place in society. I went to his Facebook page, and he's very outspoken about his liber liberal political beliefs and big on women's rights. He posted on Facebook the following in 2016. After intoxicating my life with doubt, I filled the void in my soul with horrible things. On this day, February 3rd, 2016, I realized that what I needed was now what I wanted, a healthy and loving lifestyle and prosperous relationships between me and every other human being and living creature. After this day, it has been understandably difficult for those around me to accept these changes. But in time, all will discern that I mean them no ill will and that I only want to pursue my passions and dreams for the betterment of myself and everyone around me. Please accept me for who I have become because I guarantee that this man is millions of times better than the child you knew before. He begins hanging out at cemeteries a lot, sometimes with a friend, sometimes alone. He often had picnic lunches there. He took his pets there and let them walk around. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just describing his interests. I'd suggest taking a look at his Facebook page if you want to get an idea of who Alex was. He had changed a lot since his days in the Coast Guard Academy and high school, where he seemed preppy and very clean cut. There are photos on there of Alex and his twin sister with their parents, taken just a week before at a church for Christmas Eve service. They are smiling and happy, and I'm sure those photos mean a lot to his family as they were the last photos of him. He has a female, I guess you could call her companion, named Megan Schaefer, who is 20 years old, so she's four years younger than him. I don't know exactly what their relationship is. I know they dated previously, and maybe now they're getting back together, or maybe they're just friends. But both of their Facebook pages show single. Megan graduated from Frankfurt High School, and she works at Bath & Body Works. Now, Megan is small, like under five foot. Alex is like a, a foot taller than her. One of Megan's coworkers at Bath & Body Works described her as, quote, a sweet little mouse. In addition to working at Bath & Body Works, Megan is a student at Frostburg State College. So again, I have no idea what their relationship was. Maybe they're just, they just started dating again, but they were together on the night of January 3rd, 2017. It's below freezing and it's a really cold night in Grantsville, Maryland. I mean, it's cold, cold. Alex and Megan are at the Savage River State Park and for some reason they are completely naked. Again, it's below freezing. 
We'll discuss more about this later, but it's believed they were doing some kind of cleansing at a place called High Rock, which is this high point of a cliff and is locally known to be an attraction at the state park. If you go to the state park, chances are you're going to want to see High Rock. So they're here. It's nighttime. It's below freezing. It's windy. It's raining and they're naked. They probably couldn't have picked a worse night for this cleansing or whatever it is to happen. This is where things are going to start to get weird. The next thing we know, Megan is naked and suffering from hypothermia. She has severe injuries consistent with falling off a cliff as well as cuts and bruises. It's the next day, which is January 4th, 2017. Megan says she wandered around the woods naked, alone, and freezing for 12 hours. She finds a nearby house that is empty, so she breaks into the basement. This is a very remote part of the state park. It's empty and very cold inside. Megan is able to get to a phone inside this empty house. There she calls 911. Now, we learn from Megan telling the 911 operator that both her and Alex fell down a cliff. Separate or together, we don't know yet. They ask where the other person is, and she says he's still in the woods and probably dead. So we've learned there's been an accident. This accident will be the start of a crazy case, and Megan will end up in jail. I'm going to play the 911 call for you. But first, remember me telling you earlier that a podcast called Big Savage covered this case? Well, the producer actually had to sue to get the audio released to the public because he wanted his listeners to be able to hear this. Like, I love you guys, and I'd like to think I would do the same for you, but that's some serious commitment. So we can all thank Jason Kendall Perkinson for his hard work in getting this audio released for you all. Just some points before I play the call. Again, Megan is under five foot. Her voice sounds extremely childlike. She's severely injured and suffering from frostbite and hypothermia, so that might make her voice sound a little higher than usual. Anyway, some might find it disturbing to listen because she sounds like a small child in distress. She's hard to understand, but the 911 operator is repeating back to her what she says, so that helps some. Here we go. There's nobody there. There was one other male. Okay, are you hurt or injured? Do you need an ambulance? I need an ambulance. Okay, where's the other person that was with you? I'm still in the woods. Oh, we're out in the woods, do you know? I don't believe you. Okay, just stay on the phone with me. I'm going to get some information, okay? Can I sit down? Yeah, sit down on the front porch or sit down somewhere there and, and, and wait for it. We're going to wait until you get I'm in the couch. Are you inside the house now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Do you? are you sure there's no one there? Yes. Okay. I don't, because I mean, do you know whose home that is? No. Okay. I just found it and needed to call someone. Okay, and you went in and got the phone? Yeah. Okay. Please. Do you know what that, okay, just stay on the phone. I'm not going to hang up with you until the, until you, we get some uh, officers out there with you, okay? I need How you to, long? Uh, they're going to be there shortly. They're looking for you. They've been looking for you all night. 
Okay. Just, okay. I need you to do one thing. I need you to make sure there's no one in the house that may hurt you if you wake if uh, if they come out and find you. I need you to holler and or make sure there's no one there. Because I don't want. Just. Okay. Is there anyone answering you? No. Just tell them you need help. I need help. Okay. The missing people that you have down in the Sunny River. Okay. Um, so, are, what, what, are you injured or you just you just need an ambulance because of your... Are you cold? Both. You're cold? Both. Both. Are, what, how are you injured? I, I think I have broken bones. Okay, what happened? I fell off a cliff. Okay, you fell off a cliff? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your Is the other what what's your name? Megan. Megan. What's your last Schaefer. name, Megan? Schaefer. Megan Schaefer, okay. Megan Schaefer. Okay, Megan, just stay on the phone. Where's so where's the other person that you were with? What's his name? Alex what? Stevens. Alex Stevens? And where is Alex? He's still in the woods. Okay, was he okay? No. Is, is, he, is he hurt or is he... I believe he's dead. You think he's dead? Yes. Well, what ha did you both fall off the cliff? Yes. Okay, 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 just stay on the phone with me. Okay, just... Okay, I'm I'm gonna get I'm, I'm getting you an ambulance started too. Okay. Please do. The officers are on their way. I'm hurt so okay. bad. How old are you? I'm 20 years old. Fell off a cliff. Yeah. Okay. So we need to send a fire department down there too, probably. Yeah, I'm going to. I would. Okay. Okay, I'm, like I said, I'm not. I'm just gonna get some. Ask you some questions. I'm gonna stay on the phone with you until the officers get there. Okay, when did you fall? Last night. Last night. Okay. Yeah. Is there any serious bleeding? No, yeah, I'm bleeding deeply. Okay. Okay. What part of the body is injured? Um, I, I'm not sure. You're not sure. Okay. It's fucking hurt. Okay. All right, we're sending the paramedic. Just, just sit down there and don't move unless absolutely necessary, okay? Uh, from don't eat or drink anything, okay? Just, just sit still and wait for help to arrive, okay? And, and you're, you're sure that Alex wasn't able to move? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just, uh, just stay on the line. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mute my mic, but I'm gonna be able to hear you. I'm gonna dispatch an ambulance, okay? Okay, so we heard Megan stating that her male companion, Alex, is still in the woods and probably dead. While the ambulance and police are coming to Megan, a helicopter search is pl taking place for Alex. They check the bottom of High Rock, which is where they fell from, and he's not there. A mile and a half away, his body is found. He is face down in water in a drainage ditch. He is naked and there is a kitchen knife next to his head. They noticed things about the body that showed this wasn't just a fall down a cliff. 
Alex's throat had been cut, and not just a single slice. There were several cuts from the serrated knife. They cut through his jugular vein and artery and even reached his spinal column. So he's almost decapitated. An autopsy later showed Alex had broken ribs and a punctured lung. Megan is taken to the hospital where she is treated for frostbite, a broken shoulder, and severe back injuries. In the ambulance, she told one of the paramedics, this probably isn't going to look good. My fingerprints will be on the knife. While in the hospital, she gave her first interview to police. Megan is advised of her Miranda rights. She tells police during this interview that she and Alex had gone for a late night hike to participate in a cleansing of some type. She said they removed their clothes and walked to the edge of the cliff. There they slipped and fell 20 to 30 feet. They laid at the bottom of the cliff injured and in pain for a while. Since they couldn't climb back up the cliff, they continued to walk down the mountain. She said Alex then sliced his throat with the knife. Megan denied having anything to do with him doing that last part. She wouldn't later say everything that she said during this interview was false. In fact, she's going to change her story several more times. In the second statement, she continued to say that she and Alex had fallen off the cliff and that she was three to four feet away from him when he slid his own throat because he was tired of suffering. Eight hours later, she's still at the hospital, and she says she wants to speak to police again. She is advised of her Miranda rights. She changes her version of events again. She says Alex pulled her down the cliff with him and forced her to hold the knife as he fell on it, and it sliced his throat. But then she says that's not what happened. She changes her story again and says Alex held her hand and pulls the knife across his throat several times. She says Alex jumped off the cliff to kill himself, and since it didn't work, he held her hand and sawed away at his neck. This would be damn near impossible to do. Once he had one or two swipes, he'd be incapable of sawing any further. And just to get this out there, Alex's family and friends state he was not suicidal in any way. Suicide was not something that he would ever think about doing. But many in the court of social media opinions contest this by saying that his family is delusional and their son was not the angel everyone portrays him to be. We're going to rewind a bit to the night that Alex and Megan went out there, and we'll get to some really odd details. Tristan, who is Alex's twin sister, is unable to reach Alex by phone. So she reaches out to Alex's best friend since childhood, a man named Stephen Moon. Stephen goes around to some spots that he knows Alex likes to hang, like the graveyard. But then he remembers Alex talking about High Rock. So he sets out to the state park. It's cold and raining, and he gets there and sees two cars in the parking lot. One car is Alex's Nissan 350Z, and the other car is a Hyundai Elantra, and he doesn't know whose car this is, but this car is later determined to be Megan's. So Megan's car is turned on, but it's not running. The radio is on, and there's a cell phone in the back seat. Stephen says his best friend Alex's car is sitting there with a hood up, and the whole car is covered in some kind of chemical substance, which is believed to be motor oil. There is an empty bottle of motor oil sitting on top of the car. Stephen is like, what the hell is going on here? So he starts hiking the one-mile trail to High Rock, and it's very dark, and he's using his cell phone as a light. As he's walking, he finds candles that had been burning. He finds a bag containing men and women's clothes. It, too, was soaked in motor oil. 
He knows the belt inside the bag is Alex's. He also finds a cat in a pet carrier cage. Now, near the cat's cage was some soaked towels and the cat's collar. Stephen uses his flashlight from his phone and shines it in the carrier and immediately recognizes that this is Alex's cat, Sibylla. Alex had adopted her from a rescue organization recently. In fact, if you go to Alex's Facebook page, his profile picture is of him driving in the car and Sibylla is the black cat sitting up by his head. Now, before I get any further into this, I know many are sensitive to animals being harmed, so I'll let you know Sibylla was not harmed in any way. She was alive in the cage, but I imagine starting to get pretty cold and probably getting hungry. This is still the night before, so she hadn't been exposed to below freezing temperatures the way Megan was. Luckily, Stephen came along and found her or else she would have froze to death. We don't know why Sibylla was in the pet carrier. Some believe she may have been getting ready to be a sacrificial offering during their cleanse, but Alex's family says no way in hell would he ever harm an animal. He was vegetarian. He loved animals and he loved Sibylla. Stephen says he's yelling out for Alex, but he doesn't get an answer. This makes me wonder if Megan heard him and was hiding. He texts Alex, I have your cat, but doesn't get an answer. He leaves and reports his findings to Alex's family when they call and then they call police. That's why you hear the 911 dispatcher and his coworker saying something about missing hikers and we've been looking for you all night. Megan stays in the hospital for two weeks recovering. At some point, she is taken to the behavioral section of the hospital, but we don't know why. Now, something huge is revealed, something that makes everyone scratch their heads. One week before Alex died, on December 28, 2016, Alex had contacted this investment firm where he had money saved up. He had collected an inheritance from an aunt that passed away, and he had invested some money of his own as well. He had the money transferred to a different financial service firm and named Megan as the beneficiary. This is puzzling because I don't even know if they were dating or what the dynamic of their relationship was, but it was a strange thing to do. Alex was extremely smart with a good head on his shoulders and a loving family. Why suddenly move his money to a different firm and list Megan as the beneficiary? I know you guys want to know what the amount was. Megan is set to collect $188,000. Alex's family does not want this to happen for obvious reasons. On January 6, 2017, just two days after Alex's death, Alex's dad, Jay, who is the executor of his estate, requests that the court issue a temporary restraining order to prevent the firm from distributing the money. He states Alex was not of sound mind while signing these documents. The court granted the temporary restraining order with a stipulation that a $20,000 bond be posted and Alex's dad provided the court a check in that amount. Jay kept requesting extensions for this restraining order because he wants to keep this large sum of money from going to the woman who possibly murdered his son. She still hasn't been charged with anything yet at this point, so she could have the money if Alex's dad, Jay, wasn't fighting so hard to keep it from her. If she was charged with his murder, she likely wouldn't get anything and Jay could sleep at night. The fact that Megan changed her story so many times is really not looking good for her. It's also not looking good that Alex had his head almost completely sawed off. 
If he was guiding her hand while she was making the sawing motions, he likely would have only been able to once or twice. To keep going would take effort on Megan's part, which is exactly what happened. Two months after Alex's death, this is March 2017, the medical examiner deemed that this was not a suicide, but a homicide. And eight months after Alex's death, this is September 2017, Megan is arrested and charged with second-degree murder, manslaughter, and assisting to commit or attempt to commit suicide. It sounds kind of contradictory to have both suicide and murder in the same sentence. I guess it's kind of like if you took a large bottle of pills to commit suicide while in the process of overdosing, someone comes along and shoots you with a gun. That is murder and assisted suicide. I don't know what was going on with Alex during those couple of years of his life. Friends say he was using LSD and cough syrup together to hallucinate. It certainly seems like hallucinogenics were, you know, happening that night. Alex's dad, Jay, says, I never, ever, ever, ever thought he was suicidal. I know my son. He had all these plans to do things. He had just purchased all these toys for the cat. I cannot explain the cat in the cage. I can't explain why Alex would suddenly make the woman he barely knows a beneficiary of his large sum of money he had put away. He was close with his mom and his dad and his twin sister. I can't explain why there there was motor oil all over the place or why he would go out on a freezing cold night to disrobe and ultimately fall down a cliff. I can't explain why they were burning candles. The whole event just seems so bizarre. Only Alex and Megan know exactly what happened that night. A judge sets Megan's bond at $100,000, which she is able to make, so Megan is free to, until her trial date. She's got six months at home, and she's able to spend the holidays with her family, and then in March 2018, her trial begins. There were 12 jurors selected. Megan had entered not guilty pleas for each count that she was charged with. The state's attorney starts talking about Alex and how he was a college student who had his own apartment, who was going through a spiritual awakening. She talked about Megan's varying stories and says, quote, she chose to tell lies. This is not a suicide, end quote. Megan's lawyer says Alex took the knife that killed him from his home, along with things to burn as a way to purify their lives. A big help for the prosecution was when they called Alex's best friend, Stephen Moon, up to discuss that night. Stephen is a computer science lecturer at Frostburg State University who ended up in a re relationship for a bit with Alex's twin, Tristan. Stephen testified that he was contacted by Tristan and asked to go look for Alex. He thought to go to the cemetery where he and Alex used to have picnics with his ferrets and stuff, but then he remembered Alex asking him how to get to High Rock before and Stephen had sent him the GPS coordinates. He saw the cars there covered in motor oil with one playing the radio. He walked the one mile trail in the rain using only his cell phone as a light. He found the candles, the cat, the bag soaked in oil. He texts Alex, I have your cat. He yells out for Alex, but no one responds. He even climbed a water tower, hoping to spot a light or see someone in the dark distance. He said it was so foggy in the woods that he couldn't hardly see anything. He took the cat back to Alex's parents' house, and the next morning he got a call from the sheriff's office asking him to return to High Rock. He gets there, and they begin questioning him about what he found and what he saw that night. He would end up getting interviewed again by the criminal investigation unit, which Stephen understands why, and he was cleared. Stephen testified that he only met Megan a couple times. 
Alex had dated Megan briefly, but now they were just kind of friends. Stephen says he last spoke to Alex two days before his death. The conversation was positive, and his friend had plans to get his college degree and write music. Stephen says Alex didn't want to harm animals, and that care extended to plants as well. He explains that Alex had lost so much weight the last couple of years from being vegan. A month before his de- death, Alex was, quote, pretty much clean of drugs and alcohol. Megan's lawyer is quick to point out that Stephen told police that Alex had been using cough syrup and LSD. He also, early in the investigation, told police he believed Alex had gone to High Rock to kill himself. Megan's lawyer also pointed out that a dog that belonged to Alex's mother was found in a cage on January 3, 2017, in the cemetery where Alex and Stephen used to picnic. He, too, was unharmed and returned back to the family. The jurors had to view photos of Alex taken at the crime scene. There was also They were also shown the actual knife that was used. It was brought out in an evidence box. So just to recap what we know, I know I've unpacked a whole lot in the last few minutes. Megan and Alex went to the top of High Rock on a rainy and coldy night with their possessions to be burned through some type of cleansing. They removed their clothes and jumped or fell from a 30-foot cliff and suffered severe injuries. Megan and Alex walked from that part of the mountain for one and a half miles while it was raining in this dark forest to the area where Alex had his throat sliced. The jury trial lasted five days. Megan was found guilty of second-degree murder. The judge sentenced her to 30 years in prison, calling her acts heinous and vicious. The judge said closure is the cruelest word in the English in the English language, which I totally agree with. There is nothing I can do to ease the pain of these two families. The only thing to do was send a message that this community is not going to tolerate the type of actions committed by Ms. Schaefer. He also said that Megan had several opportunities to leave Alex the night he died. Megan has the chance to appeal the sentence, which her attorney immediately applied for. So an application for review of the sentence by a three-judge panel was filed, and her lawyer stated that 30 years in prison, which is a maximum sentence for a first-time offender, was much too harsh. He also says Maryland's sentencing guidelines are 12 to 25 years. Megan, he says, had no prior criminal record and was living a productive life, going to college and working, and was only 20 years old at the time. A lot was brought up about when Megan was being questioned at the hospital and her rights at the time, partly that she was told she couldn't see her parents until she talked to police, which hindered her ability to properly give a statement, almost like her statement was involuntary. This was brought up so many times during trial, along with her Miranda rights. Jay Stevens, Alex's father, passed away in November 2020. He had been suffering with cancer. This is sad because now the only ones left are Tristan, Alex's twin, and their mother, Jan. Jan has been through so much that she actually had to take an early retirement, and Tristan is a public school teacher here in Maryland. Megan is currently still at the Women's Correctional Facility in Jessup, Maryland. When she is released, she will be in her early 50s. I don't know whatever happened to the money. I did see an article from May 2018 that said Megan could still be the beneficiary of this investment fund. But that's all it said. I don't know whatever became of this investment. It, I, I just hope it went to his mom and sister. 
I have a hard time with this case. Like, it's solved, but there's so many questions, so many things that just don't make any sense to any of us. I'm hoping Jay got the answers from his son once they were reunited in heaven. Rest in peace to Alex and also to Jay. That's it for this week, and I'll see you all again soon. Take care and much love to you all.